grace and peace to you, and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas, a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And we've just begun a new series that started on Easter Sunday called Awake, and it's all about the resurrection of Jesus. But how do you know if the resurrection of Jesus is real? How do you know if his resurrection is real to you? The proof, promise, and power of the resurrection is in the Bible. The real question is, is it in you? You can follow along with the notes and discussion questions for your own Bible study on the media page for this series, Awake, as seen at reallife.org. But the Bible study begins now. Pastor Sean is teaching from 1 Corinthians 15 and from the book of Romans. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio. Resurrection is not a doctrine to be learned. It is a life to be lived. Now, Paul gives three directives in light of this conversation about resurrection. And honestly, if you just look at them, they almost come out of the blue. They seem a little bit out of left field. It's like, wow, why is he, why is he talking about that? But understand, it is in the context of this discussion about resurrection. The first is this. He says, do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. And what's funny is he goes on and says, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. And we love that scripture, don't we? Especially all we parents who our kids are hanging around with someone who we don't like. Okay. And so we cherry pick and pull this one out. Aha! Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals, young man, young woman. Mm-hmm. And by the way, parents, God bless you. Keep it up. All right. Because it's true. But just because that's how we use it doesn't mean that's how Paul was using it. it it's a truth that applies in a lot of different ways. Don't forget, he was talking about this conversation about resurrection. He's talking about a group of people who are living below what is available to them. And he's saying to them, in other words, you are impacted by your surroundings and your view, your experience, your walk of the resurrected life is being impacted by the culture. You're being impacted by them instead of you impacting them. He's saying that's a problem. I want to suggest Paul was seeing some of this, and I think we see some of this among believers, just living in a culture-induced coma. And we live in a culture that I think is is experiencing a culture-induced coma. Four things I think people face and that are that are just cause us just to check out, deceived, they're divided, they're distracted, they're discouraged. Paul started out with the conversation and said, don't be deceived. We live in a culture of deception. And it's bothersome. It really is. It's like truth doesn't matter. You can have absolute truth that is obvious and right in front of someone's face. And we have literally been inoculated against truth. And one of my favorites, and this is great, where you'll say, but this is the truth. And someone will say, well, that's beautiful that that's your truth. My truth is different. Do you know that's the dumbest thing anyone will ever say to you? And you need to call, you need to like throw a yellow flag, like a football ref, you know, just throw a flag. Foul. See, truth is not like that. Opinion is like, you could say that's your opinion. That's cool. You want to say that's your opinion? Awesome. And I'll respect your right to have an opinion. Right or wrong, you have a right to an opinion. It's just one of the things that God gave us, which I'll ask him one day, what were you thinking, God? But, you know, (laughs) no, I won't. I won't. I won't do that. But when you say, that, no, 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 this is my truth versus that can be your truth, you don't know what truth means. 
Truth exists regardless of our opinions about it or how we feel about it. And that's one of those things we just got to understand. As people who really say, I want to live the fullest life that God has for me, what I was created for, then my aim should be to align my life with truth, not look for kind of weird ideas of truth that kind of match my bizarre life. And you'd realize we live in a world, because of the beauty of the Internet, that you can find some goofball to back up any goofy thought that you want to kind of reinforce. Whatever truth you want to make up, The internet is so vast and wide, there's so many people, and they're all kind of talking about things. You'll find someone to to back you up and say, see, it's on the internet. It must be true. It's like, come on. I mean, we we go back and forth, obviously, on on origins, on how we got here. Were we uniquely and creatively designed by an intelligent, benevolent God, a creator? Or are we an accident of biology and chemistry? And this is a great example. You do understand that we are here and our opinion, whichever way we go, our opinion doesn't change how we actually got here. We got here. We are here. Our opinion of how we got here doesn't change the truth of that, right? And just understand that's a good picture of truth. So just because, well, my truth is that there's a divine creator or your truth is that there's not. And we'll just have to understand our truths differently. Now, that's the wrong word. That's how we get in a culture of deception, where things are professed as true that just aren't, and any reasonable person who's willing to step back and just say, wait a minute, my goal is to align with truth, not get truth to match up where I'm at, will be able to see it. We're deceived, we're divided. I don't need to talk about this much, but the the divide in our world, in our culture, our politics is just killing us. It's causing us to look at people not as people anymore, but as a set of issues. And either they're on my side or they're on that side, and so I'm against them. They could come, give you a gift, and say, my, I take this position. I think you're awesome. And you would go, yeah, but they're wrong on these four other things, so no, I can't have anything to do with you. I don't care if you think I'm awesome. You're on this side of the political aisle. We've got to stop that. We, we just got to check out, okay? We Christians, let's, let's, let's just make a decision. We're out. And I'm not saying we're out of participating in the culture and voting and and trying to influence. I'm saying we're out of this idea of dividing right up the middle and saying they're the other side, they're the other side. I don't care if you're right and pointing at the left or if you're left and you're pointing at the right. You're looking at people who Jesus loves dearly, who he died for, and who are lost without him just like you. When it comes to our need for our Savior, our need for the power of God to transform our lives, there is no us and them, it's just us. We're all in the same boat. And we need to understand that. We need to walk in that common idea. We don't need to be divided. We don't need to be distracted. See, when you talk about the deception and the division, some people just want to check out and are distracted. It's just like, I just want to fill my time with whatever I can just to not have to think about it. So, so yeah, I just, you know, I want to work throughout the week, keep my head down, do my job, and then go to the lake on the weekend. Or I want to, you know, go and watch as many movies as I can. Or I want to go and get into my favorite sports team or whatever. And we're just looking for distractions. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the lake, movies, or sports. I enjoy them all. I'm just saying we can use those things to fill up so much space that we're just constantly walking around distracted. And obviously the fourth, it's kind of almost more of a result as we become discouraged. It's like there's got to be more. Is this, all, is this all there is? There's got to be more. And the good news that Paul is giving us is there is more. There is more. But if that's where you're at, Paul has a word for you. 
He has a word for you, and he said it right in the scripture there. And here's his word for you. Wake up. Wake up. See, resurrection is not a doctrine to be learned. It's a life to be lived, and you can't live that life if you're unconscious. Paul says, wake up. And remember what he said? He said, wake up from your drunken stupor. He's talking to brothers. He's not, this is not, a, this is not a, a scripture kind of warning against the ills of alcohol. Okay? He's saying, wake up from your drunken stupor. And I, I don't really know what he's meaning here and what, what that looks like. You know, there's some guy in the back right now going, well, I could tell you, preacher, I know all about it. He's a very good man, Paul. He's smart. Wake up from your drunken stupor. Stop and think about it. Senses dulled. Mind just kind of not wanting to think about it. Too many professed believers are just going through religious motions. I think he's talking about our spiritual senses dulled to God's work, His presence all around us and what he's doing, and what he's inviting us to be a part of. And yet we live in a world, and we live lives that just constantly dull our senses. I mean, stop and think about it. Think about the things that are kind of lined up against us that will dull our senses if we let it. Busyness. Busyness will dull our senses. And even as I say this to you, I have to tell you, I'm convicted. Because I can get pretty busy. But we fill our schedules, our calendars so full, I don't have to think about it. I don't have time to think about that kind of stuff. I just kind of, I got to go from thing to thing to thing. And I never have to stop and worry about the deeper things or never have to stop and look and say, how am I doing? Or any of that. Because I'm so busy. How are you doing? Oh, I'm busy. And let, let me tell you something about busyness. She, she always brings her ugly twin sister, Hurry, with her. Okay? And that's another that will just dull your senses to the reality around you. And please, just know, this preacher's not, you know, kind of preaching down at you here. This is one I, I'm convicted by. I will find myself in a hurry, right? We, we pack our schedules too full, so we're always having to go to thing, to thing, to thing. So, and so we, we get in the habit of hurry. I will find myself sitting, and we'll be somewhere, and going, oh, we got to get going, we got to get going. And, and then I realize, we don't have anywhere to be. I have nothing else to do right now. But I got to go. And I'm not talking about the bathroom. No, we got we to leave. We got we to get to it. And, and, and Lori will look at me and go like, well, what are you talking about? Where, where do you got to go? I don't know, honey, but it is important. Come on. Have you ever felt like, have you ever been like that? Feeling like you're in a hurry. I, I got to hurry, I got to hurry. And then realize I have nowhere to be. You know what's happened? We have ramped up our internal clock so much that it just runs at a pace. And if we're not at that pace, something's wrong. Something's wrong. And understand, we never have time to just slow down, see what's happening, listen for God's voice. Consider, are, are we living the life that we were created for? And this is when we take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church, in this Easter Sunday message called Awake, which is available right now on the media page at reallife.org where there you can even watch a video podcast of this message and series. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Give tab at reallife.org. And Pastor Sean Azaro, now an author, invites you to check out his brand new book. 
302 Books, a division of Salem Media Group, presents A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life, Rediscovering the Gift of the Spirit, authored by Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Growing up in and around Pentecostal churches, I really learned to appreciate the role of the Spirit in the life of the believer. But I also saw what I considered to be imbalance and excess in some of our churches when it came to how we taught about the infilling. Now available at Amazon.com, Sean Azaro shares his most requested teaching and radio broadcast series in a devotional form, encouraging you to embrace the Spirit-filled life. I wrote in a devotional style to encourage readers to examine the Scripture with fresh eyes and make room for the Lord to speak about the role of the Spirit in our lives. The goal of the whole book is to simply make you hungry for more of the Spirit. Order your copy of A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life by Sean Azaro today at Amazon or reachingforreallife.org. And now the conclusion to the message, Awake, this is Reaching for Real Life Radio. Not only busyness and hurry, how about drivenness? Because drivenness is kind of the root, isn't it? Drivenness is that thing in us that says, I gotta, I gotta, I, I gotta do more. I gotta be more, I gotta have more. I gotta do more, I gotta be more, I gotta have more. And see, dr- drivenness will never let you stop and ask why. Oh, wh- why do I gotta do more? Why do, why do I gotta be more? Why do I gotta have more? I, I don't know, but I, I just do. And sometimes there are voices, and you're not even identifying them necessarily. They're just voices from the past, voices from your own expectations, voices from peers, voices from parents, whatever. Voices that are pushing you to this drivenness that doesn't allow you to stop and take a look and consider. And you just keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing. And ultimately underlying all those, isn't it fear? Fear is one of the great things that dulls our senses. Just fear. Fear. It's what fuels the drivenness. It's what fuels the busyness. Well, yeah, but if I don't have all this stuff in my calendar, then what? I don't know. It would be terrible, wouldn't it? What will people think of me? Who cares? You've been really busy and they don't think much of you anyway, so who cares? <laughs> the minute you get that, that wonderful gift of who cares what other people think. I'm not talking about being just insensitive and rude, I'm, but I am talking about, come on. That's a fear. That's a fear. And it dulls our senses. And Paul, it's like he wants to shake us. I think if Paul could come, he would shake us. And, you know, the Apostle Paul, he's like, he's not playing. You know, that guy, you read some of of his letters, he's crazy radical. So if he comes to shake you and wake you up, it's a big deal. He's like, wake up. There's so much more that you're missing, brothers, sisters. Look what he wrote in Ephesians 5, beginning at verse 14. He says, for anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleepers, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine in you. There he is again. Wake up. It's interesting. We don't know where he's quoting from. This isn't from the Hebrew Old Testament. It could be phrases. It could be taking several scriptures, putting it together. Or this could be something, an early Christian hymn that was already being sung. We don't necessarily know where it came from, but Paul's listeners did because he's quoting Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine you. Again, he's writing to the Christians at Ephesus. And then he gives us advice. Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Look carefully how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of time. Because the days are evil. See, this is Paul's kind of little tutorial on how to wake up. He says, first, look carefully. 
Look carefully. Do you realize we can go through a lot of life and never stop and look carefully? Because we've created a system for ourselves where from the earliest age, from preschool, we know what's next. Well, you got to do this. And then, then elementary school, and then you got to do this, and you got to do this. And then we get to college, you got to do this, you got to do grad school, then you, then you got to do professional search, and then you got to get professional, then I got to get that first promotion. You can get to 40 years old without ever stopping and looking around and saying, Where am I going? What am I doing? And Paul is saying, don't, don't do that. He says, look carefully then how you walk. Look around. Stop. Am I living what God has created me for? Am I experiencing what he designed me for? Look. He says, gain wisdom. He says, don't live as unwise, but live as wise. Gain wisdom. Good news is if you're here and go, well, that's great. I'd like more wisdom. I think I need it. By the way, if you think you need wisdom, that's a great start. It's a great start. And... Remember, James writes in his letter, he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask God who gives generously. So that's a prayer. When you pray, God, give me wisdom, you know he hears it and he promises to answer it. So that's a great prayer to pray. In your relationships, in your career, in your spiritual life, in your parenting, God, give me your wisdom. He always answers that prayer. How about that one phrase Paul said, making the most Making the best use of time. Making the best use of time. That's convicting, isn't it? Because we all have the same amount of time, right? 24-7. We all have the same amount of time when it comes to that. And we live in a culture that has just become unbelievably refined in creating ways for us to waste time. And I'm not, again, I'm not here ragging on all four forms of recreation or anything like that. I don't believe that. I think recreation can be and is very good in measure. But if you ever looked around and seen someone who you go, man, they've made the most use of their time. Look at what they've accomplished. Look what they're doing. I just see it. And it's like, wow. Well, biblical wisdom is make the best use of time. Wake up. And then he says, because the days are evil. In other words, see your surroundings accurately. Know the difference between good and evil. Be wise. Be aware. Wake up. Resurrection is not a doctrine to be learned. It is a life to be lived. And then his last directive, his last piece of counsel is this. Do not go on sinning. And some of you are like, oh, okay, came to church on Easter, should have known, preacher going to talk about sin, here it is. Okay? Yes, of course I'm going to talk about sin, but don't blame me, it's the Apostle Paul, blame him. He's in the Bible, you can't say anything about him. Here's the thing, when you hear that, when you hear, don't go on sinning, okay? Stop sinning. You hear sometimes the kind of bony finger of condemnation that maybe you've heard from somebody. You hear this idea of, you know, what you're doing is making me mad and you need to stop. And you kind of have this picture of God. Look, you guys are ticking me off. You know, you've seen the the billboard. Don't make me come down there. I think it's funny, but you know, because as a parent, I've yelled that at my kids, so I get it. But that's not what Paul is saying. And you need to understand that. He is not sitting there going, what you're doing is ticking me off and it's making God mad and you're making us all look bad. Stop it. That's not what he's doing. What he's saying is sin is the problem. Sin is the thing that causes the barrier of separation. Sin is what's killing us. Sin is destructive. It is broken. And it's the thing that creates the problems that we have relationally. It creates the emptiness that we experience spiritually, emotionally. 
We were created for connection with our Father, to live a life of of living and breathing in His Spirit. And sin is this wall of separation between us and a holy God. Sin's the problem. That's, That's what he's talking about. This is a word of compassion. When he says, do not go on sinning, he's here a compassionate friend telling you, yeah, you're living way below the power of resurrection. Look at what he says in Romans 13, beginning at verse 11. He says, besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake up from sleep. There it is. You see how many times Paul says this, and these are all the believers, wake up, wake up. The time, the hour has come for you to wake up from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at that phrase, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. He's resurrected, he's alive, he's present, his spirit is in you. Put on the power of Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. You see, sin does not have to win. And I, I think we, we sometimes, what we've bought into is this idea, well, we're all sinners, so I can't help it, so it's no big deal. And that is destructive deception. It's true, we're all sinners. Yep. But the power of resurrection is that that sin that's been kicking your butt, that, is, that you just keep beating yourself up over, that you just keep going, why do I do that? Why do I do that? Why do I treat my kids that way? Why do I speak that way to my spouse? Why do I look at that? Why do I think about that? Why can't I? It's because it's, you're trying to make it about you. And what Paul is saying is it's, it's the power of Jesus Christ that you can literally put on because his spirit dwells in you. You can walk and be empowered. By the presence of Jesus. Resurrection power is the power to overcome sin and its devastating effects. The power to be set free. To be set free. And it affects every area of our life. Our thought life, our relationships, our career decisions. Everything. We don't have to be just a willing victim to sin. We can be set free, step by step. doesn't happen overnight, one thing at a time. But you follow the Spirit, you let the Spirit empower you. You can live differently. That's what Paul is saying. And remember, it's all in the context of this conversation about resurrection. You're living below the power of resurrection. Wake up, he says. I want to invite you this morning. Um, You're here you probably have some connection to the Christian faith. Many of you are believers. That's why you're here gathered, worshiping together on, on Easter morning. Um, some of you may have no connection at all except a pushy friend who dragged you here against your will. God bless you. We're glad to have you. Okay? We'll say something to your pushy friend later, though. Okay? But we're glad you're here. And maybe there's something that you heard, something in this idea that God has something more. Something in your spirit that kind of resonated with that. And you go, I I want that. Well, I want to say you can have that. It's actually fairly simple. Now, please note, I said simple, not easy. Okay, I I don't want to undersell here. Changing your life with the power of Christ is actually fairly simple. 
but changing your life, surrendering your life direction to the leadership of another is never easy. But it's worth it. Because that one is the one who loves you, who created you, who designed you, and who knows you, and has been whispering to you your whole life, you are made for something more. Trust me. The Bible says that the problem is sin. The wages of sin, the penalty of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's what the word says. Why Jesus? Why is he the only way? Because he actually came, lived a sinless life, incurring no sin penalty of his own, and then gave his life voluntarily on the cross to pay our death penalty, to pay our sin penalty. So Father could have justice completely satisfied in him and then could extend mercy and grace to us so we could be filled with his spirit and we could begin the restorative new life process in his spirit. That's the power of the cross because of Jesus, because of what he did for us. That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message called Awake, It's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd appreciate your feedback. You can leave us a note on our Contact Us page. Or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find that Give tab at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262 as Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time as you travel the road to real life.